Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Finally, opening day of the 2018 minor league baseball season is here. You can get most excited about not having to hear me say... Hey, the season is almost here for like six more months. You don't ever have to hear me say that again. Yeah, and you don't have to hear Ben talk about you saying that. Talk about me saying it, right. So many so many bonds of freedom. That so we many have. things you can get excited about as we get set for the uh, first contests of the minor league baseball season in 2018. Welcome in everybody. Episode number 154 of the show before the show podcast from MILB.com. My name is Tyler Mon, and we've got uh, a whole cast of characters today on the show. A special edition season preview episode of the show before the show. Proud native of the state of Massachusetts is Sam Dykstra. Hello, Sam. You're doing this to hurt me personally. Yes, you realize I am. This. I am. Um, a man who only eats from straight heads of lettuce and uncut stalks of broccoli is Josh Jackson in Los, Ag- Los Angeles. Hi, Josh. So untrue, but uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman who cheers for the hunter in the movie Bambi is Kelsey Hannigan. Hi, Kelsey. I don't know. I haven't seen that movie since I was a tot, so I can't recall. But probably <laughs> you. All you have to say is no. I rooted for the nice baby deer. Like, you can't even say. I don't know this deer. I don't know his mother. I don't know what she did. Cause she died. Okay, like it's complicated. Sam. I don't, I don't know what she did. Guilty. <laughs> I don't know if she did, as though the deer's mother caused some personal affront to the hunter. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's not. That's reserved judgment here. Maybe that bird. Maybe that deer's mom was a real jerk. Could be. She could have bit someone. That's possible. That's possible. Well, hey, it's our season preview episode of the 2018 campaign for the show before the show podcast, and we are uh, set for uh, a whole bunch of topics. This is something that we started. Is this our third year doing this, or is this this is just the second year in this format? Correct. Yes. Yes. But we okay. liked it so much the way we did it last year brought it back exactly um so the four of us are going to get a chance to talk about all kinds of things across the minor leagues from the most exciting teams to breakout prospects um some previews of possibly who you could be seeing making huge impacts at the major league level this year and uh we are going to eschew our normal format although you will hear today from uh some very exciting people among them Ben Hill, but also Nick Senzel, the top prospect in the Cincinnati Reds organization, and the number seven prospect and all of baseball will join the show coming up here in a little bit, but no three strikes. Instead, we're going to dive into our season preview and uh, we're going to get things started talking about the best, most exciting, most interesting lineup of all the minor league teams going into 2018. 
this year we've got a lot of teams that kind of have multiple just ridiculous prospects on them and then a lot of rosters that have a large amount of guys that you think yeah he could be a really good player someday uh, but there are a lot I feel like of lineups you could choose from for this one I think is going to stand above the crowd but we're going to kick things off by getting started with Josh Jackson our most interesting lineup selections Josh take it away well, I'll tell you that you. I think you can all be glad that that uh, the random order generator picked me to go first because I I did a lot of uh, a lot of my picks. I, I worked hard to to pick things that I didn't think anybody else would pick. Um, this might be the exception. I have picked the Triple A Durham Bulls as the most interesting lineup. Um, with you know a, a number of the great Rays prospects that they have all starting out at AAA. Uh, Willie Adamas and Jake Bowers and Christian Arroyo and Justin Williams and Joe McCarthy. And they also, I mean, um, not a prospect, but somebody who I think is a, is a really interesting baseball player and, and makes a game an interesting game is Micah Johnson is, is there now. Um, that, I think, is an interesting offense. I do love that there's a prospect named Joe McCarthy. I just think for anybody. Yeah, that, we've talked about that before. Is he also yeah. from Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, wasn't there some kind of connection there too? Joe McCarthy, Rays. I feel like we had this discussion um, last year at some point, Josh and I. He's from Scranton, Pennsylvania, so at least somewhat close to, you know. That's being a, being a 19th. <laughs> from the Wait, state the state. No, of I just, said, I just said that to irritate, um, well, I guess every listener, but. Uh, yeah, on the backs of this Commonwealth first state <laughs> um, conversation, yeah. I just wanted to blur the lines of what a, <laughs> of geography a little further. We should probably okay. explain to those listening we were having a Commonwealth versus state debate before we started recording the show. So now that now that you're all aware, um, Massachusetts state native Sam Dykstra is up next. Um, <sighs> Sam, what <laughs> what stands out to you as the most intriguing lineup in all of minor league baseball headed into this season? Well, to be honest with you, I thought this is what Josh was going to say when he said he was going to pick a lineup that a lot of yeah. us were going to take, um, which was New Hampshire, double-A New Hampshire. And Kelsey oh, sure, just yeah. gave a shrug as if, like, I stole it from her as no, well. No, you definitely did not. I definitely I, I did wasn't, not. I wasn't going to okay. go with that obvious. I didn't want to. Okay, well, I'll be the obvious person. The obvious person said obvious things. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette, it was confirmed uh, just about a week and a half ago that they will be starting the year double-A. That's super exciting. Um, just because they only spent half a year both at Class A Lansing and Class A Advanced in Eden last year. Uh, Vlad just turned 19 <clears throat> earlier this month, or earlier, or just a couple weeks ago, March 16th. I'm getting confused of what month we're in. Uh, Bo Bichette turned 20 about a month ago, March 5th. Still super young, but the fact that they're going to be tested against double-A arms, those two guys alone would make that a super interesting lineup and, are going to make that a must-watch roster. Uh, but there's a couple other guys who will be there. Kevin Biggio, another son of a you know major leaguer, uh, another son of a Hall of Famer now, uh, with Vlad Sr. also being in the Hall of Fame. He'll be there in the Eastern League. Uh, but Max Pentecost will be there as well. Um, be really interested to see exactly what they do with him defensively. They they want to continue working him as a as a catcher. Uh, you know, he's had shoulder problems that have held him back severely since he was a you know a big talent coming out of the draft. They want to see him add more innings as a catcher this year. It, his bat is pretty good. It, it's not good enough to make a move to first base and make that permanent. 
Um, so he's going to really have to catch essentially to keep climbing this the system. So there's more intrigue here than just Vlad and Bo. But I mean, Vlad and Bo alone are are going to be what grabs your attention anytime you're in an Eastern League ballpark to start the season. Kelsey, what about you? Uh, well, I did pick New Hampshire for our most interesting team per organization for the Blue Jays, which was probably given us. So I did pick them. I do agree with that. Uh, but trying to mix it up, maybe taking something from Tyler, I'm not sure. But I picked Lancaster. Uh, first, I was looking at that Asheville led the Sally League last year in homers and RBI, or obviously RBIs, uh, and hits. And I was just thinking that, you know, if they do well at that level, they'll probably do even better in the California League. Uh, and you have a few guys who are coming back from injury, like Colton Welker, who hit 350 with Asheville. Then you got Tyler Nevin who was coming back from wrist injury, Forrest Wall is healthy after dislocating his shoulder. Um, and then you also got William Abreu bringing, bringing the speed. And then Vince Fernandez was their best power hitter last year at Asheville. So I feel like they'll all come together for Lancaster. Plus you have Fred Ocasio, fund manager. I mean, he managed Russell Wilson in baseball. So yeah, friend of the site, friend of Russell Wilson. I think they'll do well this year. That is a good pick. I um, similarly kind of went to uh, a team that was terrific last year and a lot of those guys moving up to the next level. And I'm going to go with the Daytona, Daytona Tortugas in the Florida State League in the Cincinnati Reds organization. They've got Taylor Trammell, outfield prospect. Tyler Stevenson, the catching prospect, who was back and healthy this year. Two years ago was injured. Last year was injured. He's played a decent amount, but still kind of we're waiting to see a full season from Tyler Stevenson. TJ Friedel, friend of the podcast, is going to be on that roster as well. Um, there's some really interesting pieces there. the other person who should be there is jose siri now he was not listed on the opening day roster he was part of the reason why i chose that team because four of those guys starting every day gives you a pretty intriguing lineup um, but siri injured a thumb ligament after hitting an outfield wall during a spring training game hasn't played since so he's not going to be there on opening day but presumably will be with the Tortugas when he gets his season started. So uh, the Reds, I don't know, man. I've been very into the Red system as of late. And, of course, we're going to talk with Nick Senzo coming up here in a little bit. There are a lot of fun pieces in that organization. So the fact that we didn't all go four for four on New Hampshire, I feel like, is an accomplishment here. Anyway. Yeah, I, I guess I have to be the really obvious person. But at least it got said by somebody. But Yeah, you, it had to by somebody. You said you're really deep into the Red system lately. You know who's not deep into the Red system lately? Joe that Curry. is correct. <laughs> good callback good callback um all right category number two we're going with most interesting rotation so this is just starting pitchers of course uh josh who you got uh i in, in the interest of picking somebody outside of the atlanta system have gone with double a birmingham um alec hansen won't be there right away but he'll he'll be there pretty soon um, which, you know, him alone is, is something. But then they, they've got uh, Jordan Stevens and Spencer Adams and Ian Clark and uh, A.J. Puckett all there also. Pretty good. Sam, fire away. Yeah, again, I, I guess I will be the person who picks what feels obvious and what somebody has to say. Although Kelsey, again, is making gestations towards me and saying, no, I got that cover too. Uh, I'm going to say the Braves at AAA Gwinnett. I'll, I'll throw in another one after this, but – uh, Mike Soroka is probably going to be getting the year there. Colby Allard is a potential candidate to start the year in Gwinnett as well. Both guys were like Bo and Vlad last year were super young for their level. They skipped class A advance, moved up straight to double A, um, were healthy the entire season. 
don't really have much else to prove at the double-A level with Mississippi, so they should be getting pushed to Gwinnett. Uh, I know a lot of people really like Soroka uh, based out of the spring. They really kind of see him, at least Braves fans do, as like the pitching version of Acuna, a guy who could lead that rotation someday. Um, so to see him one step away, especially at his age, is really exciting. But it, it's not just those two guys. Max Freed is also probably going to be there to start the year. Um, you know, he's coming off a really strong Arizona Fall League. Uh, he got a little bit of major league time last year, but they want to see him round out the profile. Luis Gohara, uh, he suffered an ankle injury. He was looking like a very strong candidate to crack the Atlanta rotation to begin the year. So he'll be in Gwinnett probably in a couple weeks' time. Those are four prospects who are going to be there, but you've already got like Matt Whistler, Lucas Sims, Aaron Blair, all these guys who used to be top prospects. Um, who you know The Braves aren't necessarily ready to give up as starting pitchers. How are they going to kind of work into this mix? It'll be re really interesting. Um, so they have the young guys. They have the guys who are kind of quad A players at this point, but <clears throat> at, what point at one point had the talent uh, to be major league pitchers. Um, so just kind of throwing all that that together uh, should make that a, a really impressive rotation. I'm just going to throw out one more, which is the double-A Erie rotation in the Tiger system. Um, yeah, they're going to yeah. be featuring Bo Burrows, Kyle Funkhauser, Sandy Baez, Spencer Turnbull, and Tyler Alexander, um, which included in that list are the number four, six, 19, and 20 prospects in a Tiger system that, as we've said, is pretty loaded with arms. Uh, Franklin Perez was supposed to start out the year there. Uh, it hasn't worked out that way. He's got a right latch strain that's going to hold him out for about 12 weeks. Um, so keep an eye on that Erie rotation, the Gwinnett rotation that I think we all think it could be very special uh, start of the year in the IL. Yeah. The couple of teams that have dominated the last two rankings for position player for pitchers, rather the Braves and the White Sox. Um, so you kind of get an idea why Kelsey, who you got? Uh, yeah, I did the opposite of what I said in the last round. And I did pick the obvious choice because, you know, sometimes you just need to pick who's actually good, uh, who's the, the, the best one. So I did pick the stripers, the newly named stripers. Uh, but I will add to Sam, obviously he did mention they have, you know, three of the Braves top pitching prospects, which means they have three of baseball's top pitching prospects. Uh, but I will add that they also have Jesse Biddle, who I, I always find is such an interesting story. You know, he was a first-round pick in 2010 for the Phillies, and he had whooping cough and I feel like a few other problems, and then the Phillies let him go. And now he's in the Brave system. And last year he was back in double-A, which a lot of players could have just given up at that point, but he actually did pretty well. He only had a 290-year A in 50 innings or so. Uh, so I think that he will be an interesting part of that lineup. Like Sam said, there's a lot of veteran presence there, and I think Jesse Biddle could be a big part of that. Was Biddle um, literally would, struck by lightning at one point? That sounds right. I, th I feel like everything has but, happened to him. No, I don't think it was happening. I don't think he was struck by really lightning. Bizarre. There, there was like a concussion issue that was rather yeah, related. that's true. I believe. Um, but yeah, no, he had, a, he had a string of bad injury history mm -hmm. during a the hail time. incident. Hail. Was That's a, what yeah. it was. Oh, yeah. He was hit in the head by hail. Yeah. 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 Which sounds like something out of a sitcom, but that actually did happen. It sounds like something that would come out of a Dwayne Johnson movie, to be honest with you. <laughs> you turn Kevin Dwayne Hart Johnson into Kevin Hart. Hart. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Gosh, I think call we just your the billion dollar idea. <laughs> Freaky Sunday, we'll call it. 
Um, I went with uh, with a team that's kind of more positioned as part of a larger theme in their system, and I went with Double A San Antonio, and they've really only got two guys to jump right out at you um, on the opening day roster, and that's Cal Quantrill and Logan Allen, the right-hander and left-hander, who are going to um, be the headliners for that rotation. But behind them, there's a lot coming up in that San Diego system that I think is really fascinating to watch. And I talked to some player evaluators, some scouts down in Arizona, who said that Mackenzie Gore looks as good as any pitching prospect in baseball has looked for the last five years or so. That San Antonio rotation could also see contributions from guys like Adrian Morahone this year. Josh and I got a chance to watch him throw uh, in a, uh, a minor league game on the uh, the backfields at the Peoria Complex against Mariners minor leaguers. Um, he's a really exciting talent, still super young just turned 19 um, back in February. Michelle Baez is another one who pitched a Class A last year, so he'll be a Class A advance this year to get things started. Even somebody like Anderson Espinoza, who obviously missed all of last season, um, by the end of 2018, we could see him back. I think it would be a shock if we saw him up somewhere like San Antonio. But the point of this all being, you look at somebody like Cal Quantrill, you look at somebody like Logan Allen, they're like the tip of the spear of a lot of really, really good stuff that's coming on in that system. So San Antonio, I think, is going to be a team to watch throughout this year. Yeah. And, so, and that is a good point just, go ahead. just that we should make while we're going through some of these is that we're, we're talking about opening day and all that kind of stuff. But when we're gonna, looking back at teams at the end of the year, which is one of the most fun things about doing this podcast is trying to predict forward. Like it, it's totally fine to think so-and-so is going to be up at a level and that's going to make that team more interesting as the season kind of goes along. It's not just injuries. It's promotional per- potential and all that kind of stuff. So just something to keep in mind. Um, the most interesting, most exciting team, Josh, who was your pick? Well, uh, emphasis on interesting. Um, I have picked the Chattanooga Lookouts, um, the double-A affiliate of the Twins, largely because um, both Nick Gordon and, and Stephen Gonsalves are headed back there after they both um, – I mean – from an outsider perspective, just kind of looking at numbers and just kind of remembering conversations that that we've had and things we, we might have read, um, they both seem to do what they could do at that level, and, the, and they're both headed back there. So I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how long they stay there uh, and what what um, what it is that they can improve. And probably we'll get the chance, somebody on our staff will get the chance fairly early in the season to talk to one of them about, you know, uh, what they hope to accomplish back at that level. Um, and I also think, so they also have Cole Stewart headed to uh, Chattanooga. And I, I think he's an interesting case. Um, just a guy who has not so far as a pro really um, had the results that I think a lot of people expected him to have when, when he was drafted. And there's, like still last year, there was talk about him quitting baseball and, and uh, going back to football. Um, so I think that's that's another thing that makes that um, an interesting team. I like it. I like it. Sam. Sam. Um, so <clears throat> I'm going to kind of roll everything I said about Gwinnett and the rotation, and just add that on the in the lineup they have Ronald Acuna Jr. and just say that's going to make for a very very interesting team and. And say that's kind of 1A on this. But number one, I think, is I'm going to stay in that same league. And, and uh, Josh, you mentioned them earlier, the Durham Bulls. Uh, you know, this is a team that's basically full of guys who have 
proved everything there is to prove at AAA. Kind of what you talked about with Chattanooga, uh, Willie Adamas, J- Jake Bowers, you know, talking to both of them at the AAA National Championship game that, uh, you know, Kelsey and I were at last year, or talking to people around the organization, uh, their managers, their coaches. It, it's not like they started the year saying, okay, I'm at AAA. You know, I'm close enough to the majors. I'm going to get the call any second now because everybody knows how talented I am. And they kind of had to be humbled in that way. And what it ended up resulting in was a AAA national championship and the, the team doing incredibly well. Um, obviously, this would be more interesting as an entire roster if Brent Honeywell wasn't missing the entire season with Tommy John surgery. Um, but to add Christian Arroyo to that mix, to kind of add Anthony Banda to that mix, um, you know, this is a team that's built – full of guys who already have some level of success at AAA, um, some of which, like Royo already has major league time. Um, and, and just the Rays right now are kind of in a, a state where nobody knows exactly what they're going to be in the majors, and I think that could kind of lead to some spots for some of these guys to get chances. Or if the, even the Rays don't know exactly what they want in the majors, you know, Adamas and Bowers could be down there longer than we expect, or Royo could be down there longer than we expect. Um, so keeping an eye on how they're kind of working with with these guys and what they kind of took from last year from that humbling experience and how that led to success, you know, how they can kind of project that forward into 2018. I'll be keeping a clo- close eye on uh, uh, AAA Durham, I think. But between Durham and, and Gwinnett, I think that IL league, which unfortunately doesn't start mostly until Friday, uh, most of the teams have Thursday off, which is too bad. But um, starting on Friday, that IL, the it's just loaded with prospects to watch. Kelsey, fire away. I am going to stick in the uh, or stay in the International League and go with the Yankees affiliate Scranton. I mean, every minor league team has to deal with call ups and send people, sending people down and changing a roster and losing chemistry and all that stuff. And that's especially true in AAA. But I feel like you know Scranton has already lost two guys. With like Billy McKinney went up and then got hurt. Andujar went up, uh, so they already have like. Two of their big guys are gone. Um, and so I always find that the teams that win the AAA National Championship are the ones who deal with that the best, with the up and down and the losing guys to the majors, even though, of course, that's the ultimate goal. Um, but then aside all of that, you got Glaber, who will be there for however long or however short, uh, Chance Adams, Luis Sessa, Mike Ford. Uh, Frazier's on the DL, but you got to imagine he'll start there before he goes back to New York. Uh, and then... I feel like in the next month or so, we'll have Justice Sheffield, Dylan Tate, Thyro Estrada. I mean, I think Florial will get up there too. Domingo Acevedo. Um, plus, they got Trace Thompson today from the Dodgers, which I didn't even, I just saw that before hopping on this. Uh, and he's been sent to Scranton. So I think that it'll be really interesting to see how Scranton handles that all and all the up and down and all this, these talented guys that they're about to lose, but then they'll get new talented guys pretty quickly. You know, I in kind of a similar vein to that, the relationship between his AAA team and the major league team, I went with the other AAA league in the Fresno Grizzlies, um, the world champion Houston Astros, who have graduated so much talent over the last several years to the major leagues. So much of that has gone through Fresno. And Fresno, unlike what we saw with the Chicago Cubs and with the Kansas City Royals in recent years, the Astro system is still pretty well loaded and there's a lot of really interesting pieces on that roster pitching staff wise Rogelio Armenteros um, they're very very high on him and he really toward the end of last season started to come on um, Francis Martins is back there David Paulino who um, 
as of right now, is not listed with a jersey number on the Fresno Grizzlies site. I don't know if that means anything, if he's inactive to start the year for one reason or another, or it could just be that they don't yet have a jersey number assigned to him. But they have a ranked catcher on that roster in Garrett Stubbs. And, of course, offensively, you get Kyle Tucker, who I think by the end of the year is going to be the top prospect in that system if he hasn't already eclipsed his uh, his prospect status by making it to the big leagues. But in addition to Kyle Tucker, you've got all these other pieces, guys who are maybe even more than quad A players, but haven't been able to stick in the major leagues just because of how good the Astros are. But Tony Kemp, A.J. Reed, Tyler White, John Kemmer, these names that we've been talking about for a while that are just really good players. Um, the relationship between this roster and the one in Houston, I'm going to be fascinated to watch this year because there's still so much there for that organization uh, to be able to draw on from Fresno. So all four of us going AAA teams for most interesting team. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is just the notion of AAA is that a lot of these guys have proven themselves for a while now, and we've gotten to see what – their potential could be um, sometimes trying to say a class a or a class a advanced team is most interesting. True. It's just a lot of questions more than it is answers. Uh, and triple a, you, you've got a lot of answers. Now the, the next question is how do they do in the majors, which is something we're always asking, but as minor league writers, it's not exactly our focus. Um, so yeah, I think that sometimes works out, but it's, I, uh, otherwise I, I think this is still a very interesting year for triple a. It's, it's not just, this is something we do every year. It's just the, the way the talent is kind of going and guys are getting pushed like Acuna, um, like Kyle Tucker, you know, getting pushed in, in their early 20s to the minors highest level uh, kind of says something about the state of the sport we're in right now. My interesting team was double A. <laughs> oh yeah that's right three out of so four, three out of four. You know. josh we don't really pay attention to you you're the one on the phone so it's like you don't kind you're on the don't phone <laughs> <laughs> also um, my, in fairness to you part of why it was interesting was that they seem to have triple a kind of guys there okay good Whew. Okay. I zoned out for a while. I probably just heard you say AAA, and then I was like, oh, man, all of us, AAA. Um, <laughs> breakout prospect. Josh, who's your breakout prospect to watch in 2018? Well, I'm going to say two names. Um, I think that – You only get one. Oh. <laughs> just kidding. Two. Just kidding. Just kidding. Well, I'm on the phone. I can do anything. <laughs> uh, you can't stop me. Um, so I think that uh, Lewis Robert is a guy that everybody's going to be talking about. Um about, you know, midsummer. I think, um, yeah, I'll just leave that at that for him. He's of the Chicago White Sox. Um, and I think that in the Dodgers system, Gavin Lux is poised to have a, uh, have a year that really raises his stock quite a bit. Um, he is he's with uh, Rancho Cucamonga in the Cal League, which I think, for one thing, he'll it'll – He'll hit some home runs there where um, he's probably really not going to be a huge home run guy, but uh, he, he could hit like maybe 15 or 20 in the Cal League, um, which will, which, you know, those will be, a lot of those will be reasonable doubles later on, um, with, of which he'll have plenty anyway. He does hit the ball in the gap. Um, he's got really good speed. Um, and the reason I'm, I'm kind of picking him as a breakout is because last year he, uh, you, you look at his year, and I think, you know, at first you, you want to say he didn't have a good first full year, that he struggled, um, you know, in the in the Midwest League. He hit .244, um, but he was 
he hit pretty miserably in a couple of months in the beginning of the season and then really turned it around toward the end. Uh, and from some conversations I had at Camelback, it seemed like he, even you know after the end of the season, through the offseason and into spring camp, has just continued to really uh, really grow as a player and, uh, and, and find himself. So the good thing about Josh going first is he kind of softens the ground for me to allow or allows me to have two picks, really. Um, if you, yeah, and you're, what did we just say? You only I know. One. Well, you know, rules <laughs> broken, meant to be, all that stuff. Uh, so the first one, they're both outfielders. I'll go through them very quickly. Um, one is Christian Pache, um, who it's very rare that we talk to a coach or an exec or somebody about a player, and they can honestly stare you in the face and say, this person is the best at this skill in the minor leagues. Uh, Christian Pache, I've read about it. I've seen it. I, you know, I've talked to people about it. He is the best center fielder in the minor leagues. Um, you know, there are all sorts of ways we, we could break it down statistically. You watch him. He covers a lot of ground. He, his roots are fantastic. <clears throat> so when you have a loud tool like that, it's always going to grab attention um, but what's kind of held him back so far is that he's been kind of an okay hitter with very little power. He hit 281 with a 679 OPS, no home runs last year in 119 games at Class A Rome. What does he do this year in one game exhibition? It was kind of like a Braves futures game um, at their new park or well, the second year of their new park uh, down there in Atlanta. He hits two home runs. There's a guy who's never homered before in a minor league game. He hits two home runs in a major league park. They're trying to change some launch angle stuff with him, really work on getting the ball in the air, um, making that a focus. I'll be interested to see how that happens. But if he becomes like a 10, 15 home run guy, it's can, continues to be kind of close to 300 hitter with that special defense. He's a top 50 prospect by the end of the year. So he's my one pick. The other one I'll kind of mention very quickly. I did a tool shed on him a couple months back. This offseason was Brandon Marsh in the Angel system. Obviously, this is an Angel system that's on uh, the up and up especially when it comes to outfield prospects. Uh, although Jemai Jones might be moving to the infield now, he's listed as a second baseman, which is really interesting. We'll save that for another day. Uh, but Brandon Marsh was a second round pick in 2016. Didn't really play at all because of a back issue that they discovered in, a, in his physical. Uh, went to rookie level Orem last year and absolutely tore it up. Hit 350 uh, with a 944 OPS, four home runs, 10 steals. Just all the tools are there and you talk to him and he's confident in that. And he knows that, and he can't wait to show that over a first full season, he'll get a chance to do that this year at Burlington. He'll be playing in an outfield with Joe Adele, their first round pick from last year and Torrey Hunter jr. Who's just going to grab attention because of his name. Um, but I think a lot of people are going to go to that Burlington roster to kind of see Adele and maybe get a chance to see a Torrey Hunter jr. And they're going to come away really surprised by how good Marsh is, how loud his tools are all around when it comes to all five of the tools. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he can continue to be a plus hitter with some really good speed. He could be another top 100 op option in that angel system that is already growing, you know, in the last couple of months alone. All right. I am going to go back to New Hampshire that we mentioned earlier, but I'm going to go to a pitcher in Jordan Romano. Uh, and we talk a lot about Vlad and Bo, and obviously they're going to draw a lot of eyes. And I think that, Jordan Romano is going to benefit from that. He's going to get some of those eyes drawn to him. I mean, he had a 3.39 ERA last year in Dunedin, uh, and I think he was second in the Blue Jays organization with 130 strikeouts. I'm sure that will just continue to grow. 
and only 54 walks, uh, though his control has always been his biggest issue. Uh, the Blue Jays are pretty high on him, his work ethic, they love his makeup. I think he'll, like I said, continue to do well, and especially when you have this lineup, we're taught, we keep talking about this New Hampshire lineup, backing you up. I, you know, Pitchers always say it's easier to pitch when you're winning, uh, especially by a lot, so I think he will definitely do well and break out from his number 27 post. Well, in the uh, the theme of taking two, I'm going to give you two no! names. No! Oh, <laughs> come on! <laughs> come on, Tyler. Be strong. Be strong. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, the, the first name that came to mind, the second one that came to mind um, actually just did so because of something that Josh said. So I'll, I guess I'll just cover that one first. But when Josh and I were at White Sox camp, um, Luis Alexander Basabe was very discussed, very yeah. talked about, about how talented he really is. Last year was somewhat limited. But switch hitter, a guy who's really grown into his body. He's only 21 years old. Um, this year, it really seems like he's got the potential to break out for some big things. Um, my other one is a name that Kelsey mentioned earlier, and that's Colton Welker, the third base prospect in the Rockies organization. Um, and you could pick one of any number of, that, of guys on that Lancaster roster because they're going to, you know, Coors Light, the most hitter-friendly ballpark in all minor league baseball. And so they're going to be crushing homers there, whether it's him, whether it's Tyler Nevin, whatever. But Colton Welker's hit tool is just so advanced. He has the ability to get the barrel on the ball so often. When you do that in Lancaster, it turns into loud base hits or home runs more often than anywhere else. So um, I feel like Colton Welker, who the, the Rockies are confident in his glove. The issue, of course, is that Colorado right now is pretty set at third base uh, with Nolan Arenado, depending on how that goes contract-wise going forward. So will the Rockies do with Colton Welker like they've done with some other guys in the system, whether it was Ryan McMahon learning a couple of positions, Brendan Rodgers, who was still learning a couple of positions, will Colton Welker be asked to do other things as well? The other guy he would be sharing time with at third base is Tyler Nevin. He's more than likely going to get almost all the first base time uh, on that roster. So um, somebody who the conditions, uh, in addition to just where he is in his development, the conditions of his assignment are very beneficial for a breakout year for Colton Welker as well. Um, the major league picture, we don't get to talk about a ton, um, but we do in this context, as Sam and I talked last week, some players that may have big impacts on their rosters going forward. What We're going to give you our projections for American League and National League Rookies of the Year. Josh, take it away. Well, so last year, uh, Sam and I both went with the, the what we considered the, the obvious picks, and neither of us, I mean, they were the same picks, so we weren't, we weren't right. Um, so this year I'm getting, I'm getting a little funky, if I may. <laughs> if I may. Um, that's that's definitely a phrase I always look forward to Josh Jackson saying. I'm going to get funky, if I may. <laughs> go, go get funky, Josh. As, as you start singing the Josh House line. Yeah. I'm picking uh, Francisco Mejia in the American League. Um, potential Cleveland Indian. Um, and let me ask you this: Did did anybody else, if I'm am I allowed to do this, did anybody else pick today's uh, esteemed podcast guest as as the NL Rookie of the Year? No. No. Which is a bad thing to no. admit. No. There's my, yeah, there's my NL Rookie of the Year pick. Wow. Okay. Have we said who we're talking we're to good. today? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Okay. Thanks for paying attention, Sam. Yeah, you didn't even know Josh picked the double A team. <laughs> so, oh. Sam, AL and NL rookies of the I year. Mean, I'm already on got? record of saying this: uh, Otani in the AL and Acuna in the NL. You would think I would be the one to learn from taking chalk, um, but I'm just going to stick with that. Um, 
you know, I, I think we kind of saw Otani in his first start with the Angels. Um, you know, I think he had half a dozen strikeouts, something like that. All of his pitches looked really, really on. It's just about learning major league hitting, and that's. But it, it just kind of waved away all the issues with with the spring training numbers, where everybody's like, "Oh, he's going to be a bust. He's going to be a bust." No, that those pitches that he has are real major league plus pitches right now. Um, it's just all the other parts of the game he's got to learn, and that's going to come with starts, with outings, with innings, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so not really worried about him. Acuna, we haven't seen yet play in the regular season because Gwinnett hasn't started their season. But, um, you know, th- there is a major league place waiting for him. Uh, the Braves want to give it to him. They're going to let him do what he does. Uh, he's going to get plenty of time to build a rookie of the year case uh, when they do eventually call him up. And he's got everything there to make it happen and hit the ground running. So uh, I'm hedging my bets. It's it. There's nothing sexy here, but I'm going Otani and Acuna in the AL and NL. Well, on that note, uh, I will go with Chance Sisko of the Orioles and Lewis Brinson of the Marlins. They're very uh, milb friendly. We definitely have written about them over and over again for the past couple of years. Uh, and I like both of their bats, uh, Chance. I, mean, I Actually, both of them got a taste of the majors last year, which I think tends to help with these uh, Rookie of the Year candidates. Oftentimes, they are someone who has been there before and then comes back and gets comfortable. Not always, of course, but... Uh, and I mean, I know the season's like three or four days old, but they've already both done well. They're not nervous. They're not anxious. A chance definitely needs to work on his defense. Uh, but I think his bat will definitely carry, carry him. And then Lewis Brinson, I could see him being one of like the big faces of the Marlins this year and maybe for a while. Like I think that his Jersey will be the one that gets sold out the most. One of the only faces of the Marlins is here too, which helps. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, oh, Tyler. I didn't mean it. Um, actually, no, I was going to go with Lewis Brinson, too, in the National League, so I'm going to change it up. Um, on the American League side, uh, I feel like friend of the podcast, Anthony Alford, at some point has to catch a break. He's going to start the season on the disabled list um, with what I believe is a hamstring strain. Um, but at some point, that kid is so talented and so his the dimensions to his game are so varied he can do everything and if he gets healthy and can stay healthy I really really think he's the type of guy you can build an organization around um so that being the guy in the American League leads me to uh, a National League pick that um you know I guess uh comes as a surprise to all of us because I said no a moment ago but since Lewis Brinson got picked I'm gonna go with this week's podcast guest Nick I was on that bandwagon from the beginning it's a good, it's so a good thing we recorded the interview already so you couldn't have patted <laughs> yourself on the back and just say, oh, by the way, Nick. By the way, Nick, just so you know, um, Nick Senzel, that's, uh, that's going to be it. That's the call. Um, the Joe Bauman Home Run Award is given annually to the prospect with the most home runs in all of minor league baseball. Josh, who is your pick? I've got a wild one just for you, Tyler. Uh, oh, man. Casey Golden. Interesting. Okay, give me your give me your rationale. Give me your reason. I will not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, How dare you? He's playing in a bandbox. That's as we know. Casey Golden, outfield prospect, Colorado Rockies organization. He's with Asheville, one of the smaller ballparks, uh, very hitter friendly in the South Atlantic. Yeah, that's going, certainly yeah. one of uh, one of the, one of the factors um, <laughs> that uh, that led me there. He also, I mean, he, he hit 20 home runs in 54 in his only 54 professional games. 
Um, that seems like that's a that's a Quite lot good. of home runs. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know that was that was in Grand Junction in the Pioneer League. I don't I don't think he's gonna <laughs> keep that clip up exactly, but um, yeah, I, I expect him to certainly be among the most homerist minor leaguers this year. That's an interesting Looks pick. Strong. That's a deep cut kind of pick. That, that's that's Sam. one of those picks that actually ends up being right in a weird way. Like yeah, it could very well. Yeah, be. Um, I'm. Again, going to kind of hedge. I want to mention two very quickly. Um, of course. Yeah. Well, there's a pattern going on right now in the Bowman Award. So three years ago, the winner was A.J. Reed. Two years ago, the winner was Dylan Cousins. Last year, the winner was A.J. Reed. This year's winner will be Dylan Cousins. Why do I think that? Because he's repeating this year at AAA Lehigh Valley. It would help his case so much here if he was starting out at A Reading, but Phillies aren't going to send him down to win a home run award. Um, but he, two years ago, he hit 40 home runs, uh, spending the entire year at Reading. Last year, he hit 27 home runs at Lehigh Valley. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's right there on the cusp. He's had, you know, he's on the 40 man, so they could call him up at any point. I realize that uh, that kind of hurt my case here. But somebody who's already seen the level, um, who's already done, you know, okay there. He he has some questions with his hit tool. Guys are able to take advantage of kind of his big frame, and he doesn't do a great job of adjusting to that. But if he does, if he takes what he learned last year from the International League and puts it forward to this year, it's not really that hard to see him finishing the year with 35 home runs um, should the Phillies kind of treat him like the Astros treated A.J. Reed. Uh, You know, the Astros just couldn't find a spot for Reed in the Major League roster. They had some better options at first base. I think the Phillies kind of have some better options in the outfield than Cousins. Could be he has a second straight full year of Triple A ball, and he's got the power to really put up, uh, you know, 35 plus home runs there if, if he learns from that. Um, the other one I'm going to sneak in here is DJ Peters, a uh, guy who hit 27 home runs last year at Class A Advanced Rancho Cucamonga. It's not going to help him that he's getting out of the Cal League. I get that. Um, but he's somebody who I could see if he does really well to start the year at Double A Tulsa, he gets the bump to Triple A Oklahoma City by the second half. Then all of a sudden he's playing in the PCL. Um, so real launching pads in that league. Uh, again, he's got 35 to 40 home run potential uh, in the in the minors at the very least. So um, I like Cousins that. Or I knew you would, Josh. I'm kind of surprised you didn't <laughs> the, uh, take. Him I mean, the Texas League has some parks that will that will. Uh do well for him and he got there for he saw some of that level last year in the playoffs too yeah so the, that's what i got uh cousins repeaters all right i i always think that this category is the hardest because obviously you want to pick someone who's going to be really good but obviously not so good that they get called up and then they ruin everything uh so, not ru- ruin everything okay, for us okay yes i'm sorry not for their career and their dreams <laughs> and their family etc but for us uh so what I about the bowman to- award Exactly, exactly. So like uh, Josh, I decided to go outside of the box, uh, and I picked Emmanuel Tapia of the Indians organization. Uh, Last year, he hit 29 home runs. I think he kind of surprised a lot of people, uh, but he did that with Lake County. I think that he'll continue to do that with uh, Lynchburg this year in the Carolina League. He's a left-handed hitter from the Dominican. Uh, And again, I think he'll do well, but not well enough go all the way from high A to the major. So I feel good getting up there. Well, I'm kind of surprised that nobody picked – 
I had two guys in mind, and I was going to go with the one who was not picked among them, but neither one of them was picked. Nobody picked Vlad. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yeah. Nobody picked Eloy. Nobody picked Eloy Jimenez. Yeah. I- so I'm going Eloy. Eloy had 22 home runs last year, uh, or 19 home runs last year, between three different stops. He had eight in Myrtle Beach when he was still in the Cubs organization. Then he switches over to Winston-Salem, hits eight there in 13 fewer games, seven in Birmingham after he makes a jump up to double-A. The reason why I think Eloy is the pick is he's going to play in a little bit more favorable weather out of the gate um, than we're going to see in the in the Eastern League for Vlad. But kind of surprised that nobody went with any of those guys. Now, Eloy is not going to be – uh healthy right away um if he gets back in a relatively short span of time then i think he's you know not going to be any worse in chasing down the bauman award worse for the wear um but he's got a a pec injury right now a mild left pectoral strain so he's going to be held out of action uh at the start of the minor league season but i mean if he's back in a week to two weeks Eloy, I mean, Eloy can make up ground in a power race in like three at bat yeah no that that's true and i'm going to speak I'm going to do something I, I rarely do on this podcast, which is speak out of both sides of my mouth. Um, <laughs> but Mr. I'm going to give you two names. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, here's my thing with Eloy is that Eloy is so good that, you know, if he does, if he gets to like 20 home runs by the all-star break, by the major league all-star break, the White Sox are going to want yeah. him in the majors. Like they're going to want him to bring him up. that's the issue with Vlad too. Yeah, which I think. Vlad could be the same Right, way. for sure, which kind of hurts his case here to everything what Kelsey said about mm-hmm. trying to find somebody in the lower minors to kind of win this out. Um, which is why also I think it's, I, I didn't make this pick because it's not at all a sexy pick, but I think AJ Reed has a very realistic yeah. chance of doing it again because there's no place for him right now in the majors. And he obviously has shown that he does nothing but crush AAA pitching. But if you can't find a spot for him to stick on the Astros roster, you know, combined over the last couple of seasons, he had 15 home runs in Fresno back in 2016 when he was getting a little bit more of a look in Houston last year, 34 home runs. So he's got 49 homers there over the span of 190 seven games like I just don't really see him sticking at the major league level I could be different I mean maybe at some point AJ Reed gets dealt the Astros get something back for him and he finds himself in the major leagues and we're not having this conversation but if we're picking realistically I think there's a very realistic chance that AJ Reed is is once more the guy yeah and let me just say this one other point about Eloy about why he could end up winning it because if he does really well when he gets back to Birmingham after he comes back from the injury he's gonna be playing in AAA Charlotte which Charlotte has right basically like a PCL park in the international league. Yes, uh, it does. That, that place is built for home runs, built for dingers. Um, so somebody like him, you know, he could easily put up 15, 20 in just half a season there uh, as his home park. So I don't know there's a equation going on there and that's kind of why I stayed away from it. But yeah, it, it, there could be a possibility that Eloy gets called up to the White Sox by mid August. And he actually has the Bowen award sewed up by then too. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. That's the highlight of everybody's year, obviously, is who wins the Bauman Award. The Bauman Award watch from the majors, yeah. <laughs> by our, by our um, just strict breakdown of this conversation. Um, by the way, if I die during this podcast, I can, like, smell – I'm assuming that it's a neighbor cooking, but I smell some type of smoke. So if, the, if my house explodes – it was a joy recording this podcast with you and to all of you listening. Well, Tyler, way to be supportive. If this um, podcast is up, it's because you <laughs> you survived. Right, so yeah. that's true. That is that's a good point. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are I'm still around. So Not too good. late. Um, 
Um, all right, our last category for the four of us, the top overall prospect in baseball going into opening day of 2019 will be whom, can, Josh? Well, actually, yeah. before Josh goes, can I just review who we all said last year since it yeah. is now yes. opening yes. day yeah. 2018? Um, so none of us predicted that Shohei Otani was coming stateside. I, I don't think. I, I can't believe you, I don't Tyler. Think any you of us know realized... Japanese baseball. What are you doing? Well, and I don't think any of us realized, or at least I didn't realize, that he was technically going to be considered a prospect when he came over. I mean, I think that's what kind of threw me. The dude's 23 years old. He's been a professional baseball player seven right. years. So I think that kind of threw us right. all off. But, yes, I, I the point so, is. So you can't knock us for that. And Ronald Acuna last year was not – I think he, he was actually my pick for breakout prospect of the year. So just going to throw that out there. But I did not pick him for <laughs> top overall prospect. Um, did he have a good year? He did. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't heard that from yeah. you. At I know. All, Sam. Sources tell me he had a good year, watch? but I'm working to confirm. Oh, okay. it's in your head. Yeah. Huh. Um, so Kelsey and Tyler, they had Glaber Torres, yeah. which is pretty good. He's number five right now. Yeah, he was one. He was one he at was one point. At the end of last season, and I was very proud of that. But not playing half a season hurt him out on that. Or point. it played into my advantage because people wanted him to go to New York. So he would have lost it. So thank you, Glaber. Okay, so there's that. Uh, Josh, you had Eloy who is number four. So again, pretty good. And I had Victor Robles, who is number six. So I, I feel like Man, we didn't do we bad. All, we all made it. The point is, we're pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty, you know, when you remove Otani from the conversation, that means all of our guys fit in the top five. Right. It's almost it's as if solid. we know minor league baseball for a living. Well, <laughs> it's almost as if we've been paid to do this for several years. Yeah, well, now. we still have to make our predictions for 2019. Yeah, so before we, we do, we do pumping our own tires here. Jo All right, yeah, Josh. Josh, go for it. Well, <laughs> um, so I'm looking at a list of three names. I'm only going to say one. Well, thank you, um, Joe McCarthy. And, <laughs> and I'm trying. I'm going to try to make it. Hold on. I'm eeny meeny. I'm I'm going with. I'm going to go with Royce Lewis. Ooh. Oh, interesting. That is a That's... very young pick. Royce Lewis, the top overall selection last year. You want to back that up? <laughs> everybody's just, got, everybody's just got so quiet, waiting with bated breath for Josh to explain. Oh. Royce Lewis, by the way, right now is number 20. Yeah. So um, it is his first full year, which, uh, you know, that, that gives, that gives um, any prospect kind of some – some a real chance to to make a, a big leap forward or or backward but hopefully forward in this case in in terms of just how um the people who put together these kinds of lists think about prospects and look at prospects um and i think he could have a yeah i, I mean there's no reason that he won't have a sensational year that that i'm aware of um and you know also like i said i was looking at three names and he seemed like the um, sure, though, maybe the the wildest of those picks, and that, that is part of what went into it, but there's also, like, some electricity there. There's some excitement there that, had I said one of the other two names, like, maybe, um, you know, they're, they're, that uh, they're not poised to maybe do as much as Lewis. There's more room for growth for Lewis. That's right. And he's already pretty okay. high, highly ranked. That's, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's, so I mean, Josh is going for a number 20 to a number one jump with Royce Lewis. That's, Sam. that's pretty fair. Um, again, I'm going to go with the one that probably many of you at home were thinking about. 
um, when we started this conversation. I'm going to go with Vlad Jr. Um, and the only reason why that might be even somewhat of a take, I guess, by take standards, is that if he does really well this year, a lot of people would love to see him in the majors by August or September. And there's the potential, if that happens, that he doesn't have prospect status at, at by opening day 2019. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, maybe he gets a taste by by the end of the year. But again, he's going to be 19 for all of the 2018 season. They're not really in a rush to have him compete with Josh Donaldson or try to move him across the diamond to first base or put him back in a corner outfield spot, throw all these things at him. They they want him building on last year. Um, but why I think he could keep where he is, um, you know, obviously everybody talks about the top of the line hit tool with him and getting him, you know, another year of full season pitching. If it's possible for somebody to top a 323 average, I think Vlad could do that. Um, but beyond that, you know, he's still growing into his power. He's still growing into his approach. So 13 home runs last year feels pretty low for him. I feel like a 20, 25 home run season is definitely within reach for him, uh, even starting out the year at double A or if he even reaches triple A. Um, so if he continues doing what he's doing against upper level pitching, there's no reason why, you know, he can't be a major leaguer at the end of the year. But, you know, if he just continues on this path, he's definitely going to be in the conversation for best young talent in the game. Uh, I, I couldn't be more excited to see what he does in, in what I'm kind of calling year two. It, it's full year two. He's played in the minors before last year. Um, but I, I just don't think he's going to get quite there enough. Uh, for major league time to erase his prospect status, which I think, you know, once Otani's out of the picture, which will happen soon, once Acuna's out of the, the picture, which will happen, you know, May or June, um, he's going to rise to number one in the prospect rankings anyways. But uh, I don't see anything that it's, that, that's going to knock him off of that by uh, 12 no months from now. Yeah, I agree with Sam. I, I just don't see how anyone can be higher than Vladimir Guerrero next year. Um, you know, he has an 80-grade hit tool, which you, you don't see often. Every, you know, whenever I see on Pipeline an 80, like even a 70 is exciting. So you see an 80, you're like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, and even his worst tool that people say is defense, he's been working on that a lot. Uh, Gil Kim, the director of player development for the Blue Jays, really likes the way that Guerrero has improved his footwork this offseason. So he's just going to keep getting better and better, uh, like Sam said. Of course, the contrarian in my mind is like, what if Otani like experiment goes sour and he needs Tommy John in a month and then he's still around? But at that point, then maybe it'll be like Glaber and they'll you know lower him in the rankings because of that. Uh, but you also so, don't want to predict. Injuries. I don't want to. I don't want to predict injuries, but I'm also not going to be blindsided by them. Yeah, so right. yes, because anything can happen. This is baseball. That's why I don't get excited. <laughs> I mean, yes, I get excited about Vladimir Guerrero, and clearly everyone else does. I can't hear enough about him. Other people can't talk enough about him. So I just can't imagine anyone being higher than him. Then I'm going to make um, uh, not quite as uh, bold a selection as Josh did, but I'm going to go a little bit uh, further down the list and I'm going to pick my prospect crush, Fernando Tatis Jr., the San Diego Padres organization who um, is ticketed for double A San Antonio and, you know, a shortstop, a lot of tools. Josh, by the way, I figured out why he was so subdued that day and re-listening to the interview, went and interviewed Fernando um, on the backfields of Peoria and walked away and told Josh like, yeah, I just kind of seemed down, but he said, and I didn't even catch this when I first talked to him, he was sick. So now we know. Oh, 
So now it all makes sense. But Fernando Tatis Jr. is just – there's something about the the gravity that he brings when he's on the field and how it seems to be something that other guys are there to rally around. Um, I like a prospect like that reaching the – you know, upper levels of the minors for the first time and being the focal point guy, because I feel like having a father who's in the major leagues being raised, you know, in major league clubhouses, knowing what it takes to be successful at this level, I feel like he's going to continue to improve. And if we've seen a jump, like we've seen over the last couple of years from him continue, then I'm going to say playing a valuable position like shortstop with all the tools that he brings, Fernando Tatis Jr., 2019 opening day number one. Yeah, you well, know, those are the other two names on my list, so glad I went with Lewis. Oh, oh wow, Jeez, there you go. Uh, you know, everything you were saying about, you know, having a major league father and growing up in clubhouses and all that kind of stuff, you know, who else that can be transferred to? Yeah, but I, yeah, but I didn't want to take you know, the easiest pick in the world yeah. if I wanted to take the easiest That's pick, fine. Sam. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with wanting to be right. Yeah. That's the point of this. Well, yeah, it didn't work out for any of us last it's... year, so I guess we'll, <laughs> guess we'll see how smart we all are. <laughs> oh. um, so that'll do it. That's our. Uh, that's the entirety of our, our discussion roundtable topics for this year for 2018. And um, send us your suggestions for all of these. Most interesting lineup, rotation, and team. Biggest breakout prospect, American and National League Rookies of the Year, Joe Bauman Home Run Award winner, and who you think the number one overall prospect on opening day of 2019 will be. You can get in touch. Podcast at MILB.com. All of us are on Twitter. If you search our names, we're all out there. And uh, let us know if you think we're crazy, if you think one of our selections is right on um give us some feedback and we'll uh, we'll continue the discussion there but um that does it for this week's this year's season preview josh kelsey thanks for uh, swinging by as always and now you're gonna leave me alone with sam that's always fun we'll get to talk about ronald acuna for the next three hours. <laughs> enjoy that tyler Set to go for 2018 Minor League Opening Day, and uh, we got uh, prospect assignments all over the place, including in the Cincinnati Reds organization where we head right now to the Louisville Bats, the AAA affiliate of the Reds, and Reds' top prospect Nick Senzel, who joins the show. Nick, uh, how's Kentucky treating you so far? A uh, little bit of bad weather. We got a tornado watch, so first day here, not so great, but uh, it can only go up. <laughs> exactly. You're starting at the baseline, and now everything is uh, yeah. its all up from here. Well, tell us about uh, you're going to get your first taste of AAA last year. Fantastic year, obviously, between Class A Advance and AA, um, and we'll talk about that as well as this goes along. But, you know, now you're kind of at prospect finishing school, as everybody talks about with AAA. And I know in talking with some Reds people this spring, they're thrilled with where you are in every stage. And the thing that's incorporated next for you is kind of some defensive versatility. And I know during camp you got to work on that a lot. Uh, on the major league side and the minor league side how has the the whole process getting ready for 2018 been where it's kind of everybody knows you can hit everybody knows you can play third you played short in college what's the the last step for you now uh you know right now i mean and to start off i mean spring training was a great uh big league camp my first big league camp was a great experience and it got me uh got me acclimated to some of the guys and some of the coaches and uh you know, it was an opportunity opportunity for me to 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 kind of show them uh, some some of the different positions uh, I could play, um, whether it be short, second. Uh, obviously, uh, I've been playing third uh, on a consistent basis. The, you know, the the past couple of years, so you know that's where I'm most comfortable. But uh, you know, it was a good opportunity for me to 
to kind of sh- show them that, you know, I could handle some other spots. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was nice to, 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 to kind of learn those spots. So, you know, if, if, if something happens or, or I can be ready at, uh, you know, any of those three spots. Your hit tool, 70 grade, according to MLB Pipeline, your build kind of coming into the draft as the best hitter just on pure hitting talent in that year's draft class. But I don't think people get how good you are defensively. you got a 60 grade fielding tool and a 60 grade arm. Does it feel like it's so much easier for baseball people fans especially to quantify offensive success statistically does it feel like people kind of underestimate what you're able to do defensively obviously the reds know what you're able to do but elsewhere the talk is always oh nick senzo what a hitter and you're a lot more than that as a baseball player yeah i mean i, I that that's kind of that's kind of how i'm uh, how it's projected how it's kind of portrayed that you know uh, yeah, that, that i'm a hitter first and then yeah, kind of defense kind of gets lost in the wind a little bit it you know it's sort of you know it's what people you know want to jump to I mean they 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 like people that can hit and and that's what the first thing that you know that when when my name comes up that that instantly comes up but you know it's I don't know if it's irritating it's just sort of because there's a lot of work put in defensively and there's so many reps and there's so many uh you know just work that's that I put in defensively especially you know this this camp where you know I feel, I feel like I've made great strides defensively and even coming in I felt like I was a little knocked for my defense but you know just as long as I, I feel like I feel comfortable and I and I feel like I know how to play the position and, and I can play it to my best ability then then that you know that's just kind of how I think it's um you know it kind of gets over overlooked a little bit um because of uh, my offense but Man, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I work extremely hard defensively, and you know it's a little irritating that it gets overlooked. But as long as I, I feel like you know I can go out there and perform at a high level at any of those three spots, that, that's really all that that really matters. And at what point in the off season, or even going back to last season, did the Reds really approach you with saying like? we want you to be more than a third baseman. We want to get you some reps back at short or back at second base where you played some in high school. Um, you know, wh- when did that conversation start? It was kind of, it was kind of all over the place there for a little bit early on in the off season. There was, there was, uh, you know, a couple of conversations um, early on in the off season. Then it started getting more um, when spring trainings, when I reported uh, in mid January to go out there a little early, uh, you know, there's con- yeah, there was continuous uh, talks and, and communication on on where they felt that I needed to, or where they they wanted me to to work. Uh, and and the main goal on spring training was uh, left side of the infield and, and and learn how to play shortstop. So, uh, you know, and they asked me they they asked me if I, if they if they thought I could play short, and I said yeah. And they they gave me every opportunity to to play short. Um, and uh, obviously third base, I've been playing for, for a couple of years, so I know that position the best. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a challenge, it was a challenge. And, and, uh, and then even going to second base now, going to be playing second base every day, which I have played in the past, but uh, I just think the ultimate goal is, is to learn those three positions. So, so if, so if something happens or anything, I could, I could plug right in there, but um yeah, that's that's pretty much you know when I got into spring spring training, they said left uh, just worry about the left side of the infield, and then you know when I broke with broke to minor league camp, they said uh, to focus on second base. So 
it was kind of a little whirlwind, but uh, we're on the we, we were always on the same page. Uh, it's just there's so many there's so many things that happen in organizations. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on um, that you know they want to make sure that they know they they know the plan for me, and then they relay that to me and and uh, express where they they feel like they see me playing. Yeah, and you talk of that plan. You mentioned, you know, they're talking about being an everyday second baseman now or a little bit more of a full-time second baseman now. Have they given you kind of the breakdown of how much you're going to be playing second, if you're going to be playing short or third uh, these first couple weeks and, and months to come in Louisville? Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to be playing second base every day in Louisville. Um, I'm still going to be getting work over at shortstop and third base, uh, you know, during early work and stuff just to make sure my arm stays in shape. Um, uh, you know, I, it's, it just, it just all depends on what happens up top. Um, really, uh, I don't have a lot of information on, on really, you know, where, I, you know, where they see me play, but, you know, they want me to learn second base and I've, I, I kind of have a, have a good grasp on, uh, on how to play it just from playing it before. Um, yeah, but it, it's just, just the main thing was getting to getting me acclimated to third base, shortstop, to second base. That's really what the plan was. Nick, what do you think about just from a larger baseball perspective? It seems like over the last really five years, we've seen this so much where organizations want their top prospects to get as many different defensive pathways to the major leagues as possible, because there's a chance you might get there at the position that you ordinarily would play. You'd naturally play and somebody's blocking you. And I know I talked with Jeff Grappe a little bit um, during spring training, and he said, the thing about it is we want every option on the table to get these guys to the major leagues. So whether it's playing that somewhere that might be out of position at least you have that ability to get to the majors based on the fact that you can handle it and that's been pretty much baseball wide what do you think that is for your generation now of players to get to tackle that and it's kind of seen you know more as an asset than it is a detriment it's not a knock on where you play defensively it's yeah let's add some more stuff so we can get that glove and the bat to the big leagues yeah i think that's where the game is kind of shifting to kind of a a new era of, of like getting guys to to be more versatile Get, try to try them at different positions just so they can be in the lineup every day so if someone you know if, if you're playing third base and say like someone needs a, one of the regular shortstop second base needs a day off you can just slide right over um so i, I just I, I think that's where the where it's kind of shifting um you know and, and it kind of sounds like a bad thing you know when 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 you feel when when they're saying when when the public eye is like oh you know they're trying them out third short second you know they feel like it almost feels like that you've struggled at each of those positions. So they're trying to find you a spot where you're good at. But, but if you know that and, and the organization knows that you can play different positions, I think ultimately it's going to help you help you throughout your career let's talk about last season a little bit you debut in 2016 after going in the first round and you get 68 games under your belt a fantastic season and then you go out in 2017 then you get better as you climb a level with daytona 305 371 476 your slash line in 62 games then you go up to double a 340 413 560 what do you think contributed to that to being able to be more successful at a more difficult level uh i don't know i just you know the high A and, and, and it being my, you know, first full season. Uh, you know, just trying to get acclimated to the everyday, everyday uh, lifestyle. Um, you know, of a full season. Um, 
and you know, I feel like I did okay in, in high. I, I felt like I could have done more. Um, you know, so so when I got to when I got to call up to Double A, I, I really knew I had to take advantage of, of that opportunity, and uh, you know, just try to get off to a hard a hot start, which I really didn't do. But um, it, it, you know, it's hard to say. I, I just think you know, Double A, those guys on the mound, they know what they're doing. Uh, you know, the game's a little bit crisper. Um, you know, they, they, they have a plan on where they're going to th- – they're around the zone a lot more. Um, I just feel like when you get that pitch to hit, you, you, you can't miss it. Uh, and I felt like throughout my time in double, I did a pretty good job on hitting mistakes and just hitting pitches around the zone. Yeah, and what about that? You're making another jump now, and as Tyler mentioned, you know, it's the top level. It's kind of prospect finishing school. What can you kind of take away from – uh, you know what you were able to do at Pensacola and how you were able to handle those tougher pitchers, those upper level pitchers. What can you take away from that and put into your work here coming up here in the uh, AAA? I just, I just think the same thing. Uh, just stay within myself. Don't try to do, don't, don't try to be anyone I'm not. Just same approach. Um, you know, have a plan. I, I mean, there, there's going to be good arms. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be some veterans. There's going to be some. Some uh, some young guys that could, that could throw throw well. Uh, I just think just not not thinking too much. Just kind of just do what I've been doing. Uh, don't don't really stray away from it um, because I mean it's, it's there's been great competition at every level I've been in. I feel um, I mean everyone's trying to to make it to the big league, so there's definitely going to be you know great competition, great arms, um, great players. So I, I just think you know staying within myself, not trying to do too much. And, uh, you know, you are really close to the majors now. Everybody at AAA is, you know, you're just that one call away, obviously. But getting 15 games of spring training, you know, big league action under your belt now, the the team moving you around defensively, trying to find an avenue for you. Uh, how close do you really feel right now? And how does that kind of fit into what your plan or what you thought you would, where you thought you would be going into your second full season when you were drafted, you know, coming up on two years ago? Well, I was telling someone this the other day. I, I I can't believe it's 2018. I was like, I feel like yesterday it was 2016. <laughs> I was getting drafted, and today I'm in I'm in Louisville. And we're you know we're looking out for tornadoes. It's, it's, it's been it's been a, it's been a whirlwind, really. Uh, it's gone by. It's, yeah. yeah, pretty much. But it, it, it's gone by so quick. Death first. The, the 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 slowest part of it was probably coming out of college and getting that like six you know sixty whatever games in the sixty eight games whatever I played it's probably the longest you know time I felt like it kind of moved slow but that first full season that spring training moved by so fast and and now I'm here uh, in AAA um, you know I, I couldn't have really scripted it much better than this uh, it's you know I'm blessed to be where I'm at. Um, you know, it's just gone by so quick. You know, I got to pinch myself and take a take a step back sometimes, and, and, and just think of, you know, this whole journey I've been been through, and you know, it's just it's just starting to begin. I feel um, because ultimately the goal the goal is to make it to the big leagues, um, and I'm not there yet. So there's still a ton of work to be done, um, but it's exciting. And one of the perks of being this close and being in Major League Camp, especially in that one with the Reds, is that you get to be 
you know, around Joey Votto every day. I think a lot of people would pay for like a seminar between the two of you to talk hitting, but <laughs> what kind yeah. of discussions did you guys have? What were you able to pick up from him? And what is a hitting discussion with Joey Votto like exactly if, you, if you've had one? Yeah, I mean, it's, that's just a guy you want to be around. Yeah, I mean, you would like to go home with him and spend a, spend nights with him just to just to gain some of his knowledge. I mean, he's a he's pretty good. He's an open bug. You know, you, if you approach him and, and want to talk baseball or anything other than baseball, I mean, he, he's he, he's pretty open. Of, um, you know, he'll he'll shoot it straight. Very smart guy. You know, he's been in the league so long, and he and, you, and when you watch him work, it, it you know he's still trying to get better every single day, and he's he's an established, but he's one of the, he's one of the top hitters in the game. And he, and you look at this guy and he still wants to continue to get better every day. It's, it's pretty amazing, especially just watching his at bats. And, and, you know, and talking to him too is he's got such a different approach when it comes to hitting. It, it's like, when you talk to him, it's just like, it's like you're in like a movie or a dream. You're like, Whoa, what's going on? <laughs> like it's, he's just so smart. He just knows what he wants to do every time he's up at the plate. Uh, you know, I've had a few conversations with him and, uh, you know, I don't even really truly remember a whole lot of it just because it, it was like so intellectually like smart and like, and like it was his, it was his plan, how he prepared. Uh, that's just a guy you want to be around though. A great teammate, good leader, obviously, you know, best turn in the game. So, uh, it was good to be around him for as long as I Has he coached you on how to properly deke Cubs fans and then rocket a baseball to the roof of Wrigley Field? Uh, no, he hasn't done that yet. <laughs> I think that uh, – I think he may want to wait for that, but he – That might he, be a second he, screen. He's got, he, he, yeah, he's got so many on-the-field on shenanigans he does. And, and I, like, it's just, it's just him, and it is so funny. <laughs> Uh, because you never know if he's serious or not. So, so you, it, it's kind of like, do I laugh at that? Or is he like, serious? Or like, even when he's in the, even when he's in the dugout, you like want to like, like talk to him. Like if he, if he's in the zone, you don't want to break the zone. It's just, but, but he, he, he loves to joke around, but uh, I mean, when it, when it's time to step, uh, you know, between the lines, it's, it's all focus, all go zoned in. Um, so, you know, just try to try to honestly take take after, you know, his, his mental preparation and his and his, and his work ethic because it, it is off the charts. It is- Nick, last thing for you. When you graduate from the prospect list and are a, an established big leaguer, the guy who it looks like right now is going to take over your mantle as a top Reds prospect is last year's first round selection and second overall selection, Hunter Green. And you didn't get to spend a ton of time on the minor league side, but have you gotten a chance to watch Hunter much? I mean, he's such a unique prospect in the fact that he can throw 101 on the mound and he can also hit bombs during BP. I mean, that's got to be a pretty cool guy to have in the system and all of the focus that he brings as an 18 year old kid yeah i you know i really wish i could have seen him throw on spring training i didn't get a chance to see him throw obviously i heard great things uh I, i've gotten to to talk to hunter a couple times uh we spent some we spent some time this off season in uh west point uh, i got to meet him there uh got to talk to him a little bit uh yeah, he's a he's a he's, he's a good kid uh he's young very talented uh very mature for his age uh got a great arm um it's just it's just going to be a learning process for him i mean he he's just a young young kid uh you know but standing next to him he he looks like he's damn near 30 
but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've gotten to talk to him. Great, great, great guy. Great, great, great family. Uh, you know, and I think he's going to go out there and have a great year. All right. Well, Nick, we'll, we'll end on this one um, just to kind of wrap everything together. You know, we talked so much about your defensive versatility and all that and your hit tool, but what do you think about yourself allows you to play well on both sides? You know, be able to put up a, an average in the mid 300s and also provide, you know, a really good defense. Like what about you allows you to play so well both sides of the ball? Man, that 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 is a great question. Uh, I mean, you know, you hear the cliche about, you know, working hard and, and all that. Uh, I just think, I think for me, it, it, it starts with, with health and it starts with preparing my body to get ready to go every single day. I think that's been the biggest thing. Uh, just staying healthy and uh, making sure I'm ready to go every day, because as you guys know, it's a long season. Um, you you just get, and the biggest thing also is never taking at a bat out to the field and never taking anything defensively to your at bat. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard that. That that that's, I think that's one thing that I've really prided myself on is is kind of keeping level headed uh, on both sides of the ball. So uh, I think that would be. That would be it. Well, certainly not lacking in prospect excitement in the Cincinnati Reds organization. The guy who is uh, next in line to take over as one of the top young talents on that roster is Nick Senzel, the top overall prospect in the Reds organization, number seven overall in all of minor league baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. You can find Nick on Twitter. He is at Lil Senzi with an extra I on the end. Nick, um, dodge all the tornadoes possible, please. We don't need to hear about any actual tornadoes affecting the Louisville yeah. Bats. And it- <laughs> yeah, if, if you, yeah, if you don't hear from me, I got to up. I got to Certainly keep our highest hopes that that is not the case. And uh, enjoy Louisville, man. Best of luck, however long it lasts in AAA, and uh, enjoy every moment of it down there. All right, thanks, guys. And we're back on, on this week's kind of mega cast for minor league baseball opening day. Uh, I'm joined now, it's just the two of us, with Benjamin Hill. Uh, ben, how are you doing? Doing well, Sam. I did not know I was taking part in a mega cast. Yeah, it's a big mega cast uh, this week. Between we've got you, uh, Kelsey Hennigan, Josh Jackson, Nick Senzel on the podcast. Ton of people. Um, we already gave our predictions. We're going to get into some of yours later. More off the field stuff, more promo stuff. Uh, but I do want to start this week, kind of where we left off last week. Uh, at the same time last week, you had released three of your five road trip for the 2018 season. Now we know what the, the final two will be. Uh, so starting with the fourth one, this one's going to be a kind of New York Penn League tour for you. Right. Yeah, last week we talked about uh, the first three trips, uh, hitting the Northeast in May and the Midwest in June, and then a pretty extended Southern Swing in July. Uh, my August trip is somewhat similar to my first trip in May in that it is uh, non-consecutive. Um, you know, just hitting a bunch of teams in the same region uh, close to where I'm based here in New York and coincidentally where you're based where as well I'm also based, yes. um, so it is not one of those trips where I fly in somewhere and uh, spend a week or 10 days and then fly back uh, this is kind of incremental throughout the month um, August 8th the Brooklyn Cyclones that's going to be one of the um, one of the nights where they uh, suit up as the Brooklyn Jefes as part of uh, Copa de la Diversion the uh, MILB initiative a Hispanic heritage initiative that uh, we've talked about in prior episodes of the podcast um, 
going to hit uh, Staten Island on August 10th. That's a Friday. And the thing with Brooklyn Cyclones and Staten Island for me is, you know, I'm a, I live in Brooklyn. We work here in Manhattan. Uh, these are local teams for us. And I've certainly visited these teams, you know, usually about once a year. But I do it as a fan. And then I always tell myself, man, you should do this officially. But usually I'm in the midst of so much else going on that if I don't have to do it, I don't. And then I feel bad at the end of the year that another year went by and I didn't officially visit the two teams that are in our our city for for goodness sake so uh this year in our borough in one case yeah my borough i can get I, I live on the q train off of beverly for any potential stalkers out there and uh to get to coney island where the cyclones play is just a ride on the q train you know not very far at all it's by yeah. by far my home or my closest team uh, the cyclones so anyway they are officially on the schedule to ensure that i do not shirk my duty of visiting uh, our local teams this year. Um, and so that's August 8th and 10th. And then August 19th, I'm going to be in Williamsport, not for a Williamsport Crosscutters game, but for the second annual Little League Classic, um, you know, where they're hosting a Major League Baseball game at Bowman Field, the um, Crosscutters, you know, 90-year-old ballpark uh, with a capacity of, I don't know, you know, four or 5,000 people. So to see a Major League game in that environment is going to be interesting. But, of course, I'll give it the minor league angle, more like, uh, you know, operational operationally how does a uh, very small front office uh, you know put this show on and who do they coordinate with and what needs to be considered and all that sort of stuff and who knows what else but that's the little league classic happy to be there on august 19th the next day is a sunday and i'm going to head over from williamsport to uh, state college to see the spikes then i'll come back uh, to new york and thank you sam see i dropped my pen and sam's so courteous he just picked it up as i was speaking uh, but this road trip will end on August 24th uh, in Aberdeen, where I've not been since uh, 2011. I hadn't visited the Spikes in State College since 2010, so there is a theme with a lot of these teams of teams I haven't visited for a long time. But August 24th, the Aberdeen Ironbirds on the night in which they are suiting up as the steamed crabs. And um, so that's that's going to be your north northeast kind of tour, New York Penn League tour. Uh, and then in September, you're going to be heading to Colorado, and it's too bad. Tyler's not with us today. He's actually uh, working right now with the mascot of the podcast, Leica. Uh, they're doing dog training right now. But for all of those in Colorado, you'll finally be headed that direction uh, come September. What, what stops you making there? Right. And Tyler, I assume you're at least uh, listening to me say these words right now. And finally, he is editing this as well. Right, so he, right. He will hear this in one fashion. So another. Tyler, this is for you, buddy. I'm coming to your home state. I know you've had a lot of uh, bitterness that I've uh, neglected the mountain time zone most, you know, for most of my years and uh, Colorado specifically. But, you know, last year I went on a trip uh, where the original itinerary was to try to go to every team in the Pioneer League, Salt Lake, and Colorado Springs. I was not able to get a coherent itinerary together with all 10 of those teams, and I ended up chopping off uh, Grand Junction and Colorado Springs from that trip. Now cut to this September, and Grand Junction and Colorado Springs will be literally the only two locales left for me to visit in all of minor league baseball in terms of stadiums I've never been. So I'm going to end this season, uh, end the you know, last weekend of the season, uh, end it with a visit to Colorado, and finally the last two teams I've yet to visit in the whole minor league baseball landscape, uh, Colorado Springs, September 2nd and 3rd, and then uh, after that afternoon game ends on the 3rd, I'll drive over to Grand Junction and see the Grand Junction Rockies on the 4th. Um, you know, the Colorado Springs 
Springs game on September 2nd and 3rd, uh, the Sky Sox, that's going to be their two final games uh, of, uh, in their AAA history because, uh, as you may or may not know, as part of a convoluted series of maneuvers, uh, Colorado Springs is going to be a rookie-level team next year uh, with the Helena Brewers now operating in Colorado Springs, and the AAA team currently in Colorado Springs will be moving to San Antonio. So, <coughs> excuse me, I forgot to hit the cough button, but... Um, uh, yeah, so I'll close out uh, the season, Colorado Springs, as they close out their AAA history and then Grand Junction, and uh, that'll be it. Then I'm going to retire, and I, I, <laughs> I assume I'm getting uh, a really generous pension uh, as a result of all my travel, and I'm looking forward to my life of retirement and leisure. Well, you can't say that because there's going to be new teams next year that you haven't hit yet. Oh, but that's no concern to me. I think okay. there's a, there's a clause right. in my contract that if I visit every park that exists at that moment, <laughs> then I can retire with, I believe, a seven-figure uh, annual stipend. That's why new stadiums have opened up every year. It's just to push yeah, back your retirement. Just to thwart year me. After year just after to year. thwart me. It's been a long-standing conspiracy, but uh, finally I'm coming out on top. And so there we go. I've got a trip in May, June, July, August, September, five in all, uh, something about two dozen stops in all, uh, over 200 stops in my career. And as I said, every single ballpark will have been visited finally by the end of the 2018 season. And you're still looking for designated eaters for all of these, right? Right. So now all the uh, specific itinerary posts are out. I will have a designated eater post out uh, very shortly. Um, it might not be at every single location. You know, in, in some locations, there might be specifics where I don't want to prioritize the food, but I'll put out a list of available spots along with the criteria. Of course, I'm getting a lot of people on Twitter already saying, you know, pencil me in for that, and, you know, I appreciate your interest, but I do not pencil anyone in via Twitter. <laughs> um, I have systems and processes that must be, uh, yeah. that must be followed. And I guess it's processes, not processes. It, but, processes uh, sounds more fun. To yeah, say. I kind of sounded more official saying that. But, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, we're going to put out a press release kind of uh, hyping up my travel in general. We're going to uh, have a uh, designated eater post coming up. You know, lots more stuff to come from the road, uh, potential charitable partnership uh, for the road trips. Uh, so there's a lot more to come, and since I don't really go on any uh, specific trips until early May, got all of April to get all those ducks in a row and promote, and while covering, you know, the minor league scene uh, from a macro perspective, as I am wont to do. Mm -hmm. And just to tease one aspect of that as well, we talked about this a little bit, but um, I'll be joining you for at least a couple stops on the New York Penn League tour as well. Definitely Brooklyn, because I'm a couple F stops away. Uh, definitely Staten Island, and we'll have to see how Stat or, uh, State College and Aberdeen are going to kind of shake themselves out. But, yeah, a lot of new things with the trips this year, which I'm excited about. Yeah, we'll have some uh, – yeah, you and I will uh, have some uh, joint trips. Uh, hopefully I can see Tyler when I go to Colorado. And I think there will be some other interesting uh, partnerships and ways of doing things as the season progresses. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you have any suggestions based on anywhere I've gone in terms of what you'd like to see, uh, you know, ways in which I could collaborate with you potentially or just suggestions in general, um, you know, this is a whole niche, a whole beat that I do is not one that has, you know, hard and fast rules so I'm always trying to be creative with it and appreciate as much uh, reader and listener feedback as possible hit me up on Twitter at Ben's Biz or email me Benjamin.Hill at MLB.com I'd say call me but I don't think I should give out yeah that. no that's okay I think you have plenty of avenues open in which people can reach you I do that's, I do so uh, before we get to your predictions I kind of want to just bring up um, you know this is opening week so we might as well talk about it from from your perspective uh, you know what is kind of opening week like for minor league teams. You know, a lot of them are starting on Thursday. Some of them in the IL are starting on Friday. Uh, what is it like when they're first getting going? What kind of promotions are there for opening day? It feels like it's pretty sparse because it's just 
it's opening day. We want you here. That's the, that's the draw is that it's the first game of the season. Um, but what do these first couple of days look like from the business end? Right. I mean, I think it's very similar to Major League Baseball where, you know, opening day hits and that's huge. That's a big event. You have big crowds, a lot of excitement. And then there's sort of the inevitable letdown of like, oh, okay, now it's game two and game three and school's still in session. The weather's still really cold. Um, you know, those are some of the deadest days of the year, operationally speaking, uh, for a lot of teams. Um, so things, and, and so there aren't very many, like, interesting promotions for much of April. Um, and just like a lot of things, you know, things don't really kick into gear until the weather gets warmer, school lets out, and, uh, you know, you really have that summertime atmosphere. And that's where teams are going to put, you know, <coughs> man, I forgot to hit the golf no, button. Me. Again. But uh, that's where, you know, teams put their resources into, uh, you know, days in which you're going to make money. So... You know, that's why a lot of people who work for short season teams will be like, this is how you do it. You know, <laughs> don't operate during the times of year when you don't really make money. Just you know, start up in mid-June and get cracking during the time of year when you can really make some money. Um, and in a lot of ways, I look at it um, you know, from a front office perspective the same way if you're a teacher. Even if you've taught for 10 years, 20 years, you're going to have all this nervousness going into the first day of school and saying like, oh man, like how's this year gonna go? And do I remember how I used to do things? And and I, I feel like it's a lot of like like that with um, you know, minor league front office is there's so much anticipation, so much planning, uh, so much time off, you know, not from work, but from the actual season that once it starts again, everyone's a little like, whoa, here we go again. Um, so it's kind of an uneasiness and there's just so many, you know, moving parts that have to work. And I think that's why a lot of teams, you know, sort of enjoy having collegiate or high school games in late March or uh, early April that they can host sort of as dry, dry runs, dress rehearsals for the season itself. Um, and, you know, you see, you probably are going to see a few more kinks uh, operationally speaking in terms of between inning contest being maybe a little incoherent or, uh, you know, snafus on the video board or the PA or whatever have you. You know, these teams are professionals, you know, professionally run. It'll be fine. The most fans won't notice anything if there's anything wrong in the first place. But just like anything uh, in life, you know, everyone just kind of has to get their uh, legs underneath them and get running and, uh, you know, sort of relearn how to do things, even if they've done them before. All right. So, so much of what we're talking about with players, which if they struggle in the first couple of weeks, don't worry about it. I can, that transitions to everybody. Everybody's I, human. I really do think. I think we're talking about like a core facet of just being alive. Yeah, we're universal truths. Yeah. I think is what we share here. Um, so we've kind of teased it a couple times now. We did, I think, seven predictions in the opening segment with Kelsey and Josh and Tyler. So Ben, this is your chance. What are kind of seven predictions you have for the upcoming season, or you know? It doesn't have to be that number, but however many you want yeah, to do. Yeah, I think I but. got about seven. This is, of course, random when you're trying to uh, synthesize and make sense of 160 teams and what they're doing. Uh, but from a, And these are some promotions and some just observations. Um, first, I have a trend on the rise, and there's a pen there, a pun there. Um, if you recall last year when uh, the, there was the eclipse and teams in the path of totality, you know, had eclipse delays and blah, 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 um, you know, NASA got involved with a lot of those promotions and um, made it clear, uh, my contact with NASA is a, a man named Noah Petro. Uh, he actually came to the promo seminar and made it clear that, um, you know, the eclipse was something they saw as a means to get into minor league baseball and find a new forum in which people could learn about astronomy and the moon and whatnot. So there are NASA nights in Fresno, Myrtle Beach, Arkansas, and Lowell. I'm sure there's others, so that is a, a trend on the rise. Um, the top trend this year is Sandlot Nights. We've talked about that in the past, but I can count right here about two dozen 
teams that are doing 25th anniversary Sandlot night. So if you want the number one trend of 2018, uh, that's what it is in terms of something that's specific to an anniversary year. I don't think we're going to see much Sandlot stuff. 26th anniversary. Right, Sandlot, right. So. We might start to see it in uh, 2023. Uh, but a huge, huge year for Sandlot. Um, Star Wars is nothing new, but one thing interesting about Star Wars this night or this, uh, this year is that May the 4th is on a Friday. And, you know, teams like to do the promotion on May the 4th because it's Star Wars Day or what have you. But, you know, if May the 4th is on a Tuesday, just because that's satisfying to do, you're probably not going to do it. But it's on a Friday this year, so we have 25, according to my count, maybe more uh, Star Wars promotions on, uh, on May the 4th. So that's going to be just a huge night promotionally across minor league baseball uh, with so many teams doing the same thing. It's kind of gotten to the point with that one. It makes me wonder, like, what are you doing if you're not doing a Star Wars promotion? May the 4th. Right. So I have 25 listed. There might be more than that. There's, uh, you know, a, a, a assumedly 60 teams playing that day with home games. Um, so that's about half right now that I have. And the other half, yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing with your lives? <laughs> uh, hopefully something cool and original because you have that as most predictable. So yeah, if, I, if they have some other way they want to celebrate May the 4th, I'm all for it. But, yeah, it seems too easy. Yeah. Uh, one, one category I have is, um, you know, you guys talk about sort of under-the-radar prospects or players. Um, an under-the-radar promotion is the Syracuse Chiefs are celebrating Brannock, Brannock Device Night. And uh, before this promotion was announced, I didn't know what a Brannock device was, but it is that uh, shoe, that foot-measuring device that is uh. at a, a shoe store, you know, where you put your heel down in it, and, uh, you know, it's metal and very well designed. Um, so once I tweeted about that, kind of like, hey, this is weird and random, you know, Paul Lucas from UniWatch, uh, you know, he has a great audience uh, who are into the specifics of design. He got in touch with the team. He's going to go out there and throw a first pitch um, and the promotion started to take on a bit of a life of its own at a point when the Chiefs I think were like oh we didn't even know this was going to be a thing right. uh, other than the fact that this device was um, invented in the Syracuse region so they were just kind of doing uh, we'll figure out the details later but it's already getting some traction so if you want a real under the radar promo that's probably going to be a bigger deal than anyone would expect check out Brannock Device Night in Syracuse on May 31st um, under the category of the hardest to, to predict promo you know a lot of promos you know what's going to happen star wars night you basically know what's going to happen um the hardest to predict is uh from for my money june 2nd the lehigh valley iron pigs are shooting off bacon themed fireworks i just imagine it's like waves that's all like right. it just looks like waves in the sky but or is it uh, they can smell right are they like, that would be great because that yeah. smoky you know smell you get from fireworks everybody knows exactly gunpowder smell basically but if they can come up with making that smell like bacon that would be awesome but yeah I, I don't know exactly what yeah. that means hardest to predict i mean yeah is it going to be bacon images in the sky is it going to be a smell are they going to really uh you know crank up that bacon themed song list on spotify to accompany it i don't Kevin know bacon has a band doesn't he yeah he the, there you go the bacon brothers or something like that. yeah there there you go it'll be more than six degrees out that night um then we have uh, what, I, what I would call the most creative giveaway, also the one most likely to be a prank. Um, the Altoona Curve on office night are giving away uh, championship rings, you know, replica championship rings, Eastern League championship rings in Jello. Right, which is a reference to uh, Jim doing that to all of Dwight's stuff, essentially. Right, and so um, I'm a little curious. I'm going to talk to the team, I'm sure, beforehand. But, right. Uh, How much jello do they have to make? Yeah. I mean, is this something they is can. Is it just like a little jello cup? Yeah. Is this something they're outsourcing? Is it going to be real jello or something re that resembles jello? Um, so that's in the uh, most creative category slash uh, 
you know, most confounding in a lot of ways. Right. And uh, finally, I have the promotion uh, least likely to spark a trend. Um, just been, that's one I don't think other teams are going to follow up on. The Lake Elsinore Storm, you know, always on the cutting edge, always on the vanguard. Something like that. Are doing O.J. Simpson's night. And no, it's, it's better if you see it. Like, it, you say O.J. Simpson's night, and you're just like, uh, uh. Right. It's not apostrophe yes. It's Simpsons, like the, the cartoon. Right, so they're not celebrating um, an individual who... Former Buffalo Bills running back. Right, who has a, you know, a, a checkered uh, pass, to say the least, and who is probably not appropriate to celebrate at the ballpark uh, based on alleged misdeeds. O.J. Simpson's night is a just combination... Oh, hey, what? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, did, I didn't realize this might be offensive. We just happen to be celebrating the Simpsons... And orange juice. juice. On the same On night. On the same night. It's just a coincidence. It's O.J. Simpson's night, guys. That's the Lake Elsinore Storm with the promotion uh, least likely to spark a trend. I forget what night they're doing. I didn't write it down. I think it's in August, August uh, 14th or so. And that's not something that you can just Google either. You can't just Google O.J. Simpson's Lake Elsinore and see what yeah. So those are just a few uh, predictions slash uh, interesting, interesting observations. Uh, please uh, check out MILB.com. I'll be writing promo preview columns as much as I am able. And I think this year with promo preview, I won't just be doing what's coming up immediately. I'll focus more on trends and uh, try to get a little more creative with it. But if you like minor league baseball promotions, please realize I am the best and first at doing it. Everyone else is a pale comparison or pale imitation of the original and best. Ben's Biz, king of all minor league promotions, king of all minor league baseball media, uh, the greatest of all time, best there ever was, and best there ever will be. Yeah, so we'll have to keep these all down. I want you to keep this sheet so I don't have to re listen to the episode in like September, and we'll revisit these the same way we'll revisit some of our predictions we made earlier with the other crew. So uh, happy opening week, Ben. And to you as well, Sam, happy opening week. Tyler, when you're listening to this to edit, happy opening week to you. I'm sorry not to be talking to you. I miss you. And a happy opening week to all our listeners, and I hope they're enjoying this mega cast. Yeah, we'll, we'll join you again next week for what will actually be a regular season podcast again. That's right. And I'm sorry I was being so arrogant and describing myself earlier. I'm just very humble, and thank you very much for your support. That's really all I meant. So as I was saying about Ronald Acuna, it's just like they're really opening a spot for left field in him. But like he should be playing either center or right. I get it. Like and Inciarte is there. Nick Marquez is Sam, right. And you're Sam, not going to. Enough is enough. Can can Josh and I leave now? Have you guys been here the whole time? It's been four hours, Sam. <laughs> just be very glad, everybody at home, that we cut the other three hours and 59 minutes out. <laughs> Sam had like a PowerPoint. It made me log on and watch it. It was like a whole. I was thing. on chapter twenty-two of a chapter or a thirty-nine chapter diatribe. So Sam's written fan fiction about uh, about Ronald Acuna. It's very strange. It's like a whole. He built this whole world around him, and like he's a baseball playing superhero. It's a very strange thing that he wanted to. All right, this is taking this. a little too far. Like the guy is out there with feelings. <laughs> I'm not that he weird. Has superpowers apparently. Well, yes, those that actually do exist, Sam. but. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Get in touch with this podcast at MILB.com. We're all on Twitter. You can find us there and, uh, and let us know all of your thoughts on the 2018 minor league baseball season, which uh, depending on when you're listening to this may already be underway Thursday, opening day across the minors. And uh, we're excited to have you along for another year of the show before the show and uh, everything else at MILB.com. 
For Josh Jackson, Kelsey Annigan, and Sam Dykstra, I'm Tyler Mom. We'll talk to you next Happy week. Happy baseball, everybody. Happy baseball, everybody.